Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. This is our Dog Days of Summer episode. August 2023 is right on us, and it's time to reset. It is time to get whatever breaks in, get whatever vacation or reflection time we need. One of the topics I'm going to talk about today is a conference I attended. Interestingly, this is the second conference this year that I attended with my wife and son, and it is a very different experience. This time, we weren't panelists. We were just attendees. The summit was the Smithsonian's National Education Summit in Washington, D.C. We had a blast. We needed a reason to get our four-year-old down to D.C. for the first time, and the fact that Monique Chisholm, the Undersecretary of Education for the Smithsonian, was hosting the summit. I had interviewed Dr. Chisholm earlier in the year. Felt like a sign that the timing was right for us to head down there. So we did. Plus, having an in with the Smithsonian down at D.C. felt like the right way for us to engage with our son on his first visit to the nation's capital. We enjoyed Washington a bunch, and we also got a lot out of the summit. I'll talk more about how I think about blending work and leisure later, as well as a breakdown of what I got out of the summit, which was quite interesting. We also visited the Museum of African American History down there as part of our visit. So lots to reflect on. Be talking about that. We also have news on the podcast launch front. By the time you're hearing this, the Palm Court podcast will be live. I've been talking about the podcast I'm launching based on the ongoing saga and travails of New College of Florida. That will now be live. As of August 1st, you can get the Palm Court podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's also available at palmcourtpod.com. Check it out. We got some interesting stuff coming down the pike there. We're launching with our first three episodes, building on a, a series of conversations I've had with folks from New College and with other folks about New College over recent years. We'll still cover it a bit on Trending in Ed, but since I attended New College and I have perhaps a little more skin in the game than your average bear, that's a chance to go a little deeper and really listen to voices who understand what New College is because we lived through it. We experienced it, we crossed that bridge or didn't, and learned a lot about ourselves along the way. Plus, it's just an opportunity to kick it old school style with my people and tell some stories, learn more about this unique liberal arts college in Sarasota, Florida that's been thrust into the forefront of the culture wars on campus as we really face unprecedented polarization in this day and age. So lots to reflect on. We'll talk about the National Education Summit in D.C., my reflections on blending work and leisure, and some notes perhaps on the Palm Court podcast and what we have on the horizon. Thanks as always for listening. We stayed in Mount Pleasant in Washington, D.C., in the northwest corner there, right by Rock Creek Park. We were able to walk to the National Zoo 
which was pretty amazing with a four-year-old. And the main location for the conference was at the Hirshhorn Museum of Modern Art, which has a beautiful sculpture garden and has the Ring Auditorium in its basement where we caught the keynote on Tuesday evening and then were able to catch a few other sessions over the next few days while still doing some tourism. The headquarters for the conference right next to the Hirshhorn Museum was at the Museum of Arts and Industry, which is just reopening right next to the Smithsonian Castle there. That was used as the check-in and staging area, and some breakouts for educators were happening there. And Monique mentioned that one of the really amazing things was that that space is being opened up through these innovative exercises by educators looking to kind of push themselves and engage in the themes that we're going to be talking about. But you definitely felt the power of the space, and it's another reason why I would recommend folks connect with Smithsonian Education, smithsonian.edu. There's a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of resources available to folks, whether they're K-12 educators, librarians, other researchers. My wife is a digital librarian in CUNY at Queens College here in New York, and she got a lot out of it just in terms of how they choose to curate the experiences, how they connect what's in their collection and what arts they may have available to them. There were sessions at the zoo. There was a session at the Museum of Natural History. And this conference is still in its infancy. It's its second time live. There was one virtual only, and it's mainly for a remote audience, a virtual audience of thousands. But there were about 300 or so folks who were either based in D.C. or decided to be there. And you definitely got some opportunities for inspiration while we were there. I will say when it comes to work-life blend, it's not an either-or. You don't have to be 100% work or 100% life and family. But if you do do that blend, you will be conceding on each side. So you have to be comfortable with some of those trade-offs. But assuming you can, it is a nice way for the fluid boundaries between work and life to come into play. And I got to say, it is a pretty profound experience to bring a four-year-old to an education summit. To bring them just to a summit or a conference in general is a really interesting thing. By the end of the summit, he was calling himself a conference kid. But it kind of puts things in perspective. You know, I talked about how at South by Southwest EDU, my wife and my son and his grandma did a really wonderful tour of the expo hall out there, which just changes the dynamic. People can't be too formal. They can't be too buzzword bingo-y when a four-year-old comes up and just wants to engage. It is a reminder of the importance of play, but it is also a place where my ability to focus, my wife's ability to focus when we're trying not to have a meltdown with a four-year-old sitting in the back of a keynote for example, playing his PBS Kids games. It's just a lot. You know, you have to be comfortable with the code switching and with the overstimulation that is part of what it means to be a parent. But the memories that you have, my memories of these sessions and of our experience down in D.C. are much deeper 
and more meaningful than they would have been had I been there on my own. The flip side is I probably would have done a little more business development. I probably would have talked more folks about their brand messaging and podcasting thought leadership needs, but it was worth it. And we'll have memories for the rest of our lives. In terms of the summit itself, the theme this year was Together We Thrive, Fostering a Sense of Belonging. And the four threads that are weaving really throughout are life on a sustainable planet, STEAM education, reckoning with our racial past, and an integrated arts education. We came in for that first session, which was Monique hosting a panel featuring Secretary Lonnie Bunch of the Smithsonian, who is responsible for the Museum of African American History right there in the nation's front yard next to the Washington Monument and right near the White House. The location was powerful, and taking my son there and our family there was certainly powerful, and it was also deeply connected to the conversation that we listened to on Tuesday night where Secretary Bunch was joined by 2023 D.C. Teacher of the Year, Jamar Roundtree, and Curtis Chavez-Valentine, founder of Real Men Teach. Dr. Chisholm facilitated that panel where they got into it. They really surfaced the problem of not enough young people of color, especially young boys, are exposed to older men of color, black men as educators, and even beyond the color of the educators, folks who saw them for their potential Secretary Bunch shared some pretty powerful stories of engaging with racism in the Jim Crow era and how he was able to overcome that in his history. And he did speak to how things are increasingly political, where conversations need to be actively entertained. And if folks think differently than you, you need to find a way to speak to them and to speak your truth and ideally to persuade them and to uncover the shared humanity that really lives underneath all of this. That I thought was inspirational. Both Jamar and Curtis, I think, provided meaningful examples of what it means to reach kids, what it means to reach educators, reach potential educators, to remind them that there are these pathways out there where you can make meaningful impact in the life of a child, the lives of young boys who, as Secretary Bunch mentioned, black boys who are viewed as cute up through elementary school, once they enter seventh grade, suddenly are viewed as something to be afraid of by some educators. And I thought it was a very frank conversation. I appreciated it. And like I said, even though my boy may not have been fully processing the conversation. I do think some of these things do seep in. It was really a profound kickoff to the conference. And then from there, I was able to return the next day to see the opening keynote from Rebecca Peterson, the 2023 National Teacher of the Year, where she talked about the importance of one good thing. And as an educator working in Tulsa, Oklahoma, how she had to train herself to notice the positive when so much is really hard these days. 
especially for teachers, especially for children in poverty, who many of our teachers, including Rebecca, may be teaching, getting to know them, spending an hour with each of her students, understanding that joy is not binary, she said, meaning that even when things are hard, you can find joy, and that by developing a habit of mind to look for the positive and reflect on at least one good thing that happens every day, it does change the way you engage. It goes from a reactive to an active to a proactive stance where you can apply that frame. Also engage in some mindfulness. I appreciated that she opened her session with some box breathing. I'm still learning. But I will say we learned some stuff by being there and we weren't entirely consumed by it to the point where our four-year-old was bouncing too much off the walls. He was able to get down to the yards park there and engage in a really wonderful play splash zone experience, which is part of the renewal that's happening near the National Stadium down in Washington, D.C. Overall, we saw some friends. We ate more ice cream than we should have. We even had an Uber driver who was from Gabon, who looked like Eddie Murphy, recommended we listen to Burna Man and was driving a Tesla. So plenty of experiences, things that we'll remember for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our son's life. And thanks again to the folks at the Smithsonian, Dr. Monique Chisholm, the Undersecretary of Education. Like I said, our experience at the Museum of African American History was certainly impactful. The food is amazing. Definitely check that out. And we got as much time as our metered parking would permit during our visit to that museum, which, again, is a credit to Secretary Bunch and the vision of folks who realized for the Smithsonian to represent the fullness of our culture, the fullness of our history. As Secretary Bunch said, if we are the home of the brave, we need to be brave enough to face some of the tougher truths in our history. Certainly relevant, certainly timely in light of all the conversations we've been having so far. And I will say once again, D.C. is a pretty compelling space. I look forward to coming back again and engaging more, whether it's with the Smithsonian or other conversations we can have down there, because it does feel like the time is right to raise up some of these conversations. I didn't even get into the sustainable planet challenges around climate, which is certainly a theme that we've been highlighting more of late on the show, and it's definitely something that is bubbling up more in the broader consciousness. But overall, fantastic trip. I'd say take your kids if you can. At least he's less than five, so I don't know if it works up to a certain age, but so far he's gone twice as a four-year-old to education conferences, and it is a important thing for conference organizers to be aware of when you are talking about inclusion. Can you be inclusive of parents? Are there ways in which you can be inclusive for kids? That was something I remember from South by Southwest EDU on their Wednesday. They open up their conference to the community where kids can come in for free. I had the same experience at the Smithsonian where these cultural institutions are really amazing. Even more so, they're running programming, but that programming frequently is not within the awareness of the broader population so that we can really all elevate ourselves 
I was thinking to myself, these types of conferences must be going on all the time in pretty much every city, certainly here in New York. And it just requires a little more thoughtful intention from all of us to continue to push ourselves to learn, push ourselves to engage in new conversations with new ideas. The last session that I was able to attend was titled A Fierce Sense of Belonging, Fuel for Engagement, Motivation, and Learning with Dr. Pamela Cantor, who is a neuroscientist, someone who does a lot of research on how our brains function. She was making a lot of really interesting connections to neurochemistry, whether it's oxytocin or dopamine and the interaction between those two, where the oxytocin gives you a sense of belonging. It counters the anxiety neurotransmitters, the adrenaline and cortisol that kick off stress reactions. Instead, how do we get the belonging, the love neurochemistry going and at the same time engage enough with the dopamine hits that are both the root of addiction, but also the root of forming positive habits. And Dr. Cantor's keynote concluded with a panel of students who were talking about the role of belonging. And it did tie back in interesting ways to the lessons from Real Men Teach and Secretary Bunch's experience connecting with students, seeing the potential in them. Rebecca Peterson, Teacher of the Year, her keynotes about building that trust, building that sense of connection and belonging by focusing on positive things, by looking for that one good thing. And then here, Dr. Cantor connected that to the underlying neurochemistry and the growing body of research that's understanding how we perform at our best, how that's deeply connected to getting into those flow states driven by feeling safe, feeling connected, feeling that sense of belonging. And then to hear that through student voice, through a panel of students connected to different programs the Smithsonian is running. There was a nice through line there. There was a through line really throughout. And I came away with a deeper understanding of what the Smithsonian's doing, but then also a deeper understanding of the challenges facing educators and the depth of understanding that they need. As Rebecca Peterson said, who is holding our teacher's stories? Perhaps that's something that can motivate me and motivate our listeners to reach out and ask your teacher friends if they want to share, be a listening board for them, be a sounding board for them, and continue to support this critical role, and hopefully open up pipelines to new folks who are interested in education, but perhaps haven't seen the pathways for themselves. We'll include links to Real Men Teach in the show notes here as well. But overall, it was a really wonderful experience getting down to DC. I'd say bring your kids if you can and check out smithsonian.edu. We'll include links on the show page to understand everything that they have going on. Really impressive set of resources. And if you make it to DC, obviously check out these museums. I will give a full thumbs up to the Museum of African American History. So a lot to process, a lot to learn from Smithsonian's National Education Summit. As we conclude here, I want to just remind folks, if you are curious about New College, if you are interested in the polarization that's happening in higher education, the polarization and attacks on academic freedom that we've been talking about on this show, rather than overload this feed with New College-related conversations, I am going to be Beginning the Palm Court podcast, Palm Court is the spiritual center of New College of Florida. It's been so since the college was founded back in the 1960s. 
It's now very much under siege, under threat by culture warriors who were appointed to the board of trustees by Governor DeSantis down there. The new president, Corcoran, is a good friend of the DeSantis administration and is someone who is really trying to transform the campus, transform the college into something very different, something modeled on Hillsdale College in Michigan, among other things. Again, not to overstate it here for folks who may have heard enough, but if you want to hear more and you want to hear more voices, more perspectives from folks who really live down there, who understand New College at a personal level, what it's been so far and how meaningful that community has been. One of my collaborators on the Palm Court podcast, Megan Citrin, was comparing New College to cultural movements that she studied in Spain in response to the Spanish Civil War. And it's interesting to think about how top-down cultural change is hard to do and how resistance and the depth of a cultural history is not something that you really can squash or erase. And this podcast, the Palm Court podcast, which will be spinning off of Trending in Ed, is a place for us to really explore that, explore those themes in some more depth. So if you're interested in talking about that, definitely reach out to me, find me on LinkedIn, find me mike at palmer.media if you want to talk about New College. And then on this feed, we have some really interesting conversations coming up in the next few weeks, talking about artificial intelligence and its impact on educational models, how we should be rethinking education in terms of creating critical thinkers with wisdom and human faculties that won't be replicated by machines. And then at the same time, how do we implement new models of post-secondary education that don't necessarily require college, but will provide pathways to a first good job and can perhaps be more responsive to the rapidly changing world of work that is out there. We'll keep talking about all these things. Let me know if you have any ideas for other shows or if you would like to be a guest. As always, remember to subscribe, tell your friends, write us a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.